Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm excited about being here today. Uh, Rick Skeens will be... um, Running this show for Tom Brown today, and uh, I get to be here. My name is Medskeen, sitting here with Anthony Cox. We are opening up for Rick. That's pretty cool. But uh, Rick is going to be talking about the gospel, and like anyone's surprised about that, you might know him. He's the one that did Taking It to the Streets for a couple of years, he and Tom, and that was a really awesome program, talking about taking the gospel to the streets. Well, Anthony Cox is a pastor downtown, and uh, he takes the gospel to his streets, to the community, to the neighborhood, and different things. And we're talking about taking the gospel into our culture. We're all involved in culture, and I wanted to open up, Anthony, about what my wife does. Gail is a gardener. She gardens for things to blossom, and I look at that as agriculture. She takes dirt, a little sand. She takes uh, compost and a little bit of manure, and she gets it all together, takes a seed. She puts that seed in there, cultivates it, loves it, waters it, watches it, and it creates something. It's like she's involved in culture, agriculture, but we're also involved in culture. And as I heard that illustration from Tim Keller, it reminded me of who we are as a church, as a believer in our culture. We have to take the raw materials that God has put around us and we inject ourselves in there because we're going to take that raw material and we're going to make our culture. Christians can make our culture. Now, we just got back from a, a conference Mm-hmm. Um, That's right, Russell Moore. Russell Moore. And uh, we're on the backside of that conference about an hour ago. And I got to tell you, he lit it up about taking the gospel to the culture. And um, you only have a, a minute or so, but in a nutshell, what what did that do for us uh, as pastors and, and leaders and Christians to help us to engage the gospel into our culture. Yeah, I love that illustration. And it was a, a fantastic conference today with Russell Moore. Appreciate all that he's doing for the for the kingdom and for the sake of the gospel. Um, you know, one of the big takeaways from today's luncheon was his um, emphasis on proclamation of the kingdom, proclamation of the gospel. The kingdom is radically different than the cultural around us, though, like raw materials, there are, are values that are intrinsically in every culture, because everywhere you have people, you have the image of God, right? People are made in the image of God. So there's many values that we do share, but yet there's, um, even though we can resonate with our culture, there's there's certain values that we don't share that have been mixed up and messed up because of fallenness of mankind. And, and so that allows us to not only resonate, but also defy the culture by who we are. Uh, the kingdom is unique and distinct from the world. And this is the, the, the message that we proclaim primarily to the world is the gospel. And the gospel itself is that distinctiveness. You know what I like about what you're saying is you're not saying, you know what, we're believers, they're, they're, they're not, let's build a wall. You know, we're not going to mess with them. No, we're saying, you know what, we are believers and we're going to engage in these people because God created people. He created all of us. And you know what, we don't know who God is going to say. We do not know who's going to be the child of God. I remember Russell Moore saying, you know what? That guy 
in the drug tank might be the next evangelist that overtakes this community. So we're going to come back after this uh, break, and we're going to talk about the gospel in our culture. You are listening to Koinia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Koinia 1360 KPXQ. I'm sitting here with Rick Skeens and Anthony Cox. I'm Med Skeens, and uh, Rick gave me an opportunity to open up about this conference that we just got back from with Russell Moore, and uh, he was talking about the gospel, engaging our culture with the gospel, and Rick's going to take that home. Russell Moore, he's the president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commissions of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, it's a moral and public uh, 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 agency that helps uh, keeps Christians active and churches active in our culture. And that's what we did. And you know what? Uh, I was asking Anthony, Rick, uh, about um, <clears throat> how we as a pastor, you're a pastor, Rick's an evangelist. Me, I'm just here being blessed by you guys but i'm thinking you came away from this russell moore conference with with a fire uh, not that you're not already doing it but it kind of lit a fire and i wanted to hear that uh in that that we said in the first segment about engaging us as a church as believers engaging in our culture with the gospel yeah the kingdom is unique and distinct from the world our, our message primarily is the gospel so we can we can critique our culture we can be in it but we're not to be of it, and we are to speak boldly. I mean, Jesus did not shy back from proclaiming good news uh, to the poor and to those who are, are, are gospel destitute. And, and that's, our, that's our responsibility. It's our joy. You know, I think of what Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And that's the message that we proclaim. Amen. So, Rick, I'm, I'm looking at uh, this big picture, and, you know, for a couple of years, you and Tom did take it into the streets, the gospel, and you would always say, this is why we share the gospel. And I remember when you and I were in um, San Francisco at the Super Bowl outreach, a guy was preaching on the street, and he kept telling people, you need to repent, you're a sinner. And you went up to this guy and said, brother, you got a message, but you got to tell him why. And you proceeded to help this young kid. And I thought he was going to be hard back at you, but you he actually broke. And he hugged you and said, man, brother, thanks for sharing that good news. Because he saw that you were engaging with what he was doing, but yet on a different level of saying, you know what? Mm-hmm. The gospel is worth saying why. And you said to go out and share the gospel. And, and why do we do that, Rick? I'm going to let you just take this thing and run with it. Yeah, it was easy when you have Scripture to back it up. Um, it's hard to argue with Scripture. So um, with, with the young man, I easily just asked him to grab his Bible real quick. And we, we went to Luke 24, verse 47. And it's the Luke's account of the Great Commission. 
Um, everybody usually hears Matthew's account, which is go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Um, but Luke is, um, he has an account of the same uh, great commission, but he has a little bit more detail in, in what it would look like to go out and make disciples. And he says in Luke twenty four forty seven that God, uh, Jesus asked the disciples and us that we would go out and preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations. And the word there is to, to proclaim, and it's actually a, a word that means engaging people in public. Um, it's something of great importance. So we, um, so that was what I was able to help this guy see that, yeah, it, it is very biblical to ask people to repent. But according to Luke twenty four forty seven, um, we need to let them know why uh, repentance for uh, and forgiveness of sins. Um, and so I had some examples in Acts of Acts two thirty eight, Acts three nineteen, Acts five thirty one, where we see Peter doing that exact thing. He tells them, uh, repent for the forgiveness of sins. Another way he says it, he says, repent so that your sins may be blotted out. Um, and so it doesn't have to be those exact words, but the point was is that Peter was, was doing what the Lord asked him to do um, because he believed what Jesus said, that that's what people need to hear. And you know what, Rick? It almost gives me confidence. Like, you know what? These people, we really need to hear this because this is good news. This is the gospel that we can have our sins forgiven. And you know what? If we didn't recognize we had sin, that news would be nothing. But it's good news because, yeah, we do. We recognize that we're sinners. We recognize we need the king. And the good news is he's here and he's offering forgiveness of our sin. Right. And a lot of times that opens the door to talk to somebody about sin and and, and why do we need to be forgiven. And and, uh, and then you start to find out what lies people believe because I, I, that's been the greatest you know, challenge in my life is as I don't want to talk too much when I don't need to, and I need to listen more. And so the challenge the Lord has put in my heart is as I'm talking, engaging people with the gospel, listen to what really is the lie they believe. Because if you're sitting there pounding the law over their head and they just think that, that, that grace can't cover their sins, that God won't forgive them, then what the lie they believe is, is that, that the cross didn't, didn't do enough work. Um, where some people, the most people, the lie they believe is they're a good person. So that we have all the answers. We have the truth that helps destroy all these lies and arguments that are creating strongholds in people. Um, so um, we see John the Baptist doing the same thing in Luke 1. It's even prophesied that he will give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. That's in Luke 1, uh, prophesying about John the Baptist. And then in John 3, um, it specifically says that John preached um, a baptism um, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and he preached the same message. Um, so that was that was a fun uh, ex- exercise with my buddy, and he's actually going to be coming. He's from Vegas. He's going to be coming out to Phoenix, and we're going to join up with them. So I got a friend out of the deal, but uh, <laughs> I had nothing to lose because um, scripture was what I was basing my conversation on, and and that's what I want to encourage all of us to do. As you're talking to people in your life, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers. Um, just have us pray, pray through scripture and, and, and use scripture to lead your conversation. And if you're, if you're explaining scripture to them, you can't go wrong. And that's, that's a lot, a lie that a lot of us believe. Sometimes I'm going to say the wrong thing or, or I don't know what to say. Um, and that's why we want to encourage you guys to stick to scripture. Um, and so that's, that's why we also did that whole series through the gospel uh, the, the book of Acts about for two years, we went through 60 different examples in Acts of where we saw uh, how the Holy Spirit led the disciples to engage people. 
We just look, dissected them. We, obviously, we know Acts isn't prescriptive, but it's very descriptive of how the Holy Spirit led them to share the gospel. And, and it gives us uh, encouragement. It gives us um, truth to, to grasp onto uh, because we, our flesh hates us. Our flesh doesn't want you to open your mouth and engage the law. So every lie is going to be thrown at you when you know that you have an opportunity to talk to a coworker or a neighbor or a family member and you know they need Jesus. And every lie is going to be thrown at you of why you shouldn't do it. And so the more we're setting our mind on things above and the more we're saturated with Scripture, we pray that that's what comes to mind. That, that's what is the greater motivation than how I'm going to sound, how I'm going to look, or even how they're going to receive it. Um, so that's why we're, I'm starting a new chart. I'm starting a new series. We're going to go through the, the Gospels. I've already got a chart of, of all these examples of where Jesus engaged the lost. And the, and the way I organize it is in a chart that collects data, the same data out of each example. And so we can kind of see trends. We can see um, uh, how people are responding. And so it's just a quick chart that I'm building, and I'll be able to start sharing it more often. But um, And I've just been really convicted because I got to um, a, a couple of times. It was a woman at the well, really uh, just looked at it from a different perspective. Um, then, the, uh, then the Lazarus, uh, raising of Lazarus. I just read that this morning, or yesterday morning in my devotional, that, that the Jews wanted, I forgot, the Jews wanted to kill Lazarus too. And so this was really when Jesus is, was starting to get some momentum, and they're like, man, people are starting to believe this guy. And, and if Lazarus is running around, right, it says that many, because of his testimony, if he's alive, more people are believing. And what really hit me was he once was dead, but now he's alive. That was his testimony, and we complicate it. And the fact that he was alive, walking around, people, and he pointed people to Jesus as the reason that the, the Pharisees were so upset because people were believing him. You know, uh, at this Russell Moore conference, he said, you know, as Christians, and Anthony, you can attest to this, <clears throat> he said, oh, it's easy for us to talk about the things uh, that Jesus talked about that are not miraculous. Like, oh, you have to feed the poor. Okay, you have to give drink to the thirsty. Okay, but what about, hey, he rose from the dead, or he was in the belly of a well for three days. So is it hard to talk about the miraculous? And as as you, as a pastor, when you lead people, it's like, we want to engage with our neighbors. We want to engage with the community. But do we find ourselves with walls sometimes? Yeah, we have to speak boldly and not be ashamed of the gospel. It is a miraculous thing to be raised from the dead. And Jesus did not shy back from proclaiming these truths that were hard and not natural for people just to understand or believe. That's the uniqueness. That's the strangeness of our gospel. But if we are really bringing good news, it has to be news that's different. It's a story that's more compelling and different than any other story. And it's one that's strange. But it's in this strangeness that the power of the gospel will just transform lives. And, you know, the, the word of God never returns void. It will either draw people or it will repel people, really, or harden. Mm-hmm. And that's our confidence, right, Rick? So I love yeah. the fact that you're saying, man, let's, let's, let's focus on preaching and being faithful to the word and let the Holy Spirit do his work that's in right. transforming lives. But it comes through the strangeness of not only the, 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 the message but also the method. Yeah. Of proclaiming. Yeah, we were doing a study uh, when I was in New York with my friend Albert, and uh, there is a verse that says we were gonna, you will be like morons, moronic, mori is the <laughs> word in the Greek, 
And so literally, it's because to the world, we will look like morons. <laughs> and so we went. So on the way home from the Super Bowl outreach, we stopped at a gas station, and we were all in the car ready to go. And he stays outside, and uh, and he's witnessing to this person next to us. Rejection. And I tur- and he got in the car. I go, man, you look like a moron. <laughs> and for one second, if you saw the look on his face, he he took it as a negative. But as soon as that truth clicked in, and he realized. I am making a reference to this scripture that says if we are truly following Christ, to the natural man, we will look foolish. But 1 Corinthians 1 says that it pleases God to save people through the folly of what we preach. So when you look like a fool and we act, we look like what the world would call a moron and people get saved. That's what gives greater glory to the Lord. Um, So one of the other ways is, is with tracks is a lot of times you'll get the most craziest responses of just handing somebody a track. I got it. The hand one to one of my employees today. He hadn't been around in a while, and he came back. And uh, so I uh, I handed him one, and uh, and he just looked at it like, hmm, that's strange. But uh, when we come back, I'm gonna we're gonna have a friend come uh, that's gonna call in, and you're gonna hear the, one of the most amazing testimonies of how God saved this man, because we talk about it all the time the power of the gospel, just the power of the gospel, and however we can get it out. However we get it out, it doesn't matter. The method doesn't matter. It's the message that saves, even if it's on a piece of paper or you're yelling it from a rooftop. So we honestly have to believe the power is in the gospel. So so stay tuned with us. Because when we come back, you're going to hear a really amazing testimony of a friend of mine named Elvis. He is, he is a very, very excited to share with you how God saved him and why he does what he does. Because he believes the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hello, welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Rick Skeens filling in for Tom Brown today, and we're talking about taking it to the streets. We're talking about passing out gospel tracts. We're talking about how powerful the gospel is all by itself. And that's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And later in the chapter, he says, and how can they believe unless they've heard? And how can they hear unless somebody shares it with them? So we can share the gospel verbally. We can share the gospel with our lives. We can't separate the two. You don't just live the gospel and not share it. You don't just share the gospel and not live it. But the gospel by itself is powerful enough to save somebody. That's why Paul is excited. Even if people are sharing the gospel in pretext, he says, he says, I don't care how their motivation, the fact that they're sharing the gospel, I rejoice. And so we have with us on the air, my good buddy, Elvis Kesto, and he has an amazing testimony of how God saved him. So how you doing, Elvis? Hey, brother Rick. It's a pleasure and honor to be on the show. Great. Well, we've been for years talking about taking it to the, taking the gospel to the streets, uh, sharing the gospel with our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, living the gospel out, um, because we honestly believe the gospel is power, the power of God unto salvation. And when I heard your testimony, I just couldn't wait to share it. Uh, because it's so encouraging. So without any more suspense, uh, just share with us, how did God get your attention? All right. Well, first, let me say, every testimony is God's testimony. We're just the recipients, and every testimony is what God has done in our in our lives. So my story is God's story, right? 
Amen. So, you know, I, I was raised in a, uh, in, a, in a Roman Catholic home, and I was used to idolizing images, crosses, relics, no matter what it was. Uh, I saw a cross. I did, I did a sign of the cross. I passed by a church. And so one day I'm walking into a retail store. I'm in the parking lot, and I see a white piece of paper on the floor, and it has a cross on it. And I had seen a lot of people have stepped over it, had footprints on it. And so I picked it up, dusted it off, put it in my pocket. I just couldn't, you know, fathom people stepping on a cross. And so I picked it up and uh, I took it home and I began to read it. And I just, I just began weeping at, at what I was reading. I mean, it was, it was a clear presentation of the gospel. I've never heard it before. I was uh, about 19 years old, never heard this message before. And I just began weeping and, um, you know, on, on the very back of the track, it was, you know, uh, I choose to accept Christ or I choose to reject him. And, of course, you know, I checked off the box and I choose to accept him, right? Um, and then um, several months later, I was working as a waiter at the time. And I've been working as a waiter for about uh, four or five, maybe six years. And I've never been left a gospel track. And then somebody leaves me a gospel track at the table and I, I pick it up, I take it in the back, and I begin reading it, and I'm weeping again. Oh, Lord, you know, God is obviously drawing me to, to himself. And so um, eventually I stumbled upon some young guys at a Dunkin' Donuts at a coffee shop. This is back in Michigan. And um, these guys began to challenge me. They said, hey, um, have you ever read the Bible before? I said, I have not. And they said, uh, well, actually, every single question I had asked them, they were answering from the Bible, and I was so impressed, because being raised in a Roman Catholic background, only the Catholic priests could read the Bible. Only the Catholic priests, only the Church can interpret the Bible. So I see some young guys here reading the Bible, and I was just fascinated um, and kind of appalled at the same time. But every question I had, Romans, Corinthians, Acts, they're answering from the Bible. And I'll never forget the challenge they gave me at the very end. They said, Elvis, if you forget everything that you've heard from us today, remember this one thing. Go home and read the Bible for yourself. And, and so I did. I went home. Uh, they, they told me to start in Matthew. I began Matthew chapter uh, 1, and I just began reading the New Testament. I got to Matthew 7, uh, 21 through 23, where Jesus said, Not everyone has said to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I looked at that passage, and again, I began weeping. I said, Lord, this is me. I said, I'm going to stand before you thinking, I have my own righteousness, my own good works, my own good deeds, and that is enough to get me into heaven. And that was false, and that was wrong. And, and by God's grace, he used these tracks, he used these men. I mean, everything was just so divinely appointed for me to run across this, this old pamphlet, this dirty piece of paper nobody would have touched, and then leave me to these guys in a Dunkin' Donuts um, on a Friday night, which I'm usually out partying or doing something. Um, but God had it to where I would, I would come see these guys. And so what happened was I began to devour the New Testament. That, for me, that was a logical and biblical con- conclusion of becoming a believer is just reading the Bible, and then I went out and I just began evangelizing. Um, and I would be at that Dunkin' Donuts till about two o'clock in the morning. If you had a pulse, you heard the gospel. I mean, that's that's how it was. And then uh, me and a buddy began to go out every single Friday night. Um, we went out for about four hours in the downtown area, 
and we pass out tracks. We pass out hundreds, hundreds of tracks every single weekend, every Friday night. We had many, many conversations, and Lord only knows the impact those tracks will will have. I, I only know one thing: God used a track to impact me, and so, um, you know, what, what did Paul say? You know, um, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing; it is a gift of God, not a result of works. It's all by grace. It's all by grace, and God can use the gospel and attract. First um, Corinthians nine sixteen. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Amen. For me, that was that was just the overwhelming feeling in my heart. Woe unto me if I do not go out there and preach the gospel. Necessity is laid upon me. Um, so, so you heard, so you read a track. Okay. So it's a piece of paper on the ground. So somebody handed it out in the parking lot and maybe it was one of the parking lots that we've been to. I don't know, because several times, you know, they get thrown on the ground and people think that, Oh, you wasted a track or (laughs) you wasted time or it wasn't effective. I've heard every excuse. And sometimes I've even bought into the lie once in a while. And, you know, if they throw it on the ground and they drive away, um, but you're the second person now I've heard of that found a track that was thrown away. Actually, the third, I'm sorry. Um, one of them was uh, under a riverbed. A track washed up on a guy that was trying to commit suicide uh, beside wow. a riverbed and literally saved his life. And he um, read the track, contacted the email person on the back, um, ended up getting saved. And um, another one was a, a roommate in college was given a track by some by some men on the campus just passing out tracks. The kid brought it back to his room, threw it away, and the, the roommate saw the track. And uh, picked it up and read it, got saved, became a pastor. Uh, and so I've heard the pastor's testimony before. So, um, so you, so you picked up a piece of paper because of a false religious belief of that yeah. cross is uh, in it all in and of itself. This is an idol, right? It's sacred. So God used something foolishness of the world um, to draw you into a gospel message, and the gospel gripped you. What, what, what are some specific things you remember that was was presented on the back of that? on the card, do you know, the gospel? You know, I, I, I believe it was the, the Romans road. Um, you know, they went through Romans three, three twenty three, Romans six twenty three, Romans, I think it's nine uh, or 10, 10, uh, 19. And so it just, it was the Romans road. You know, you're a sinner. Here's what Christ has done to redeem you. Um, and, and I believe that that was what resonated with me because I, because all this time, you know, I didn't realize, I mean, of course, you know, most people will say, oh, we're a sinner, but we don't realize what our sin has, has actually done. You know, our sin put Christ on the cross. Our sin will condemn us to a place called hell for eternity. Um, and the thing is, when you don't know the gospel, you don't know the Bible, you have a, uh, your your understanding of, of, um, of life, of, of salvation, is God is going to judge me based on my works. And, and my friend at church always said, there's two religions in the world, that of works and that of grace. And every religion outside of Christianity says mm-hmm. we do something to activate our salvation. But Christianity says Christ is the only one that can save us. Um, and, you know, and also— That's good news, Elvis. John, what is that? That's good news. Yes, it is very good news. <laughs> And, you know, and I realized, in that, you know, uh, John, John 6, 44, he said, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. Now, that is comfort, brother. You know why? Because when you're going out there, 
you're passing on tracks, you're talking to people. It is nothing of me. You know, if, if you recall what, what Paul said, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 2, he said, And I, when I came to your brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so that is the sovereignty of God in evangelism is such a comfort because we don't have to try to devise our own tactics, our own, you know, special methodologies. We go out there and we faithfully proclaim the gospel. And God's promise is that there's a sheep out there and that sheep hears the voice of the mm-hmm. shepherd. That sheep will come through the shepherd. All our job is proclaim the gospel, whether it's a track or whether it's verbal, but that's our job. And so that's the comfort we have. And man, it does. It takes the pressure off when you realize that you're, you're just you're just a messenger. Amen. You're sharing a message of, of by which people will be saved. I mean, Cornelius was uh, praying, and an angel came to him and said, "Hey, there's a man named Peter coming to your house. Listen to him. He's going to share a message to you by which you and your family will be saved." I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a, to me is the greatest picture of. Of, of of the job of a messenger, or some people call it like the mailman. I deliver the mail. Yeah, I deliver bills, bad news. I deliver good news. I deliver checks. But we, or the mail, we deliver mail, and that's our job. And, and if they want to receive it, great. It's all of heaven rejoices. I want them to receive it, but we're told there's, there's, they're, they're not going to. They're going to hate us because they hated him, and that they're, gonna, they're not going to have understanding because they're, they're blinded by their sin, the, the God of this world, the distraction. So, so you're right. Any way we can, we want to get the gospel out. And um, I'm just encouraged by your testimony because how often do you hear, uh, you know, hey, I picked up a track, I read it, and I was convicted. Because most of the time, you know, people aren't. And that's okay. But your story is what we hope for. That's the motivation for, like you said, the lost sheep. We're going to leave the 99. We're going to go after the one. So several times when I go out with my buddy Ray and Val, they keep reminding me, hey, we're just looking for the lost sheep. Just looking Amen. for the lost sheep. So, but thanks for calling in, Elvis. I'm uh, very encouraged that, that you found a track off the ground. You read it. God brought you to conviction of your sin. It, ca- it caused you to seek out uh, God's plan for you and what He's trying to do. And then somebody was faithful to leave you a track at a restaurant. And we, we encourage that all the time. And I have tracks I can give out for free that even say thank you. And they're just written specifically for waiters and waitresses. So uh, thank you for calling in, and thank you for con- being faithful minister of the gospel. So don't, yes, don't... And, and Rick, if I might add one more thing, just, just being a waiter. you got 20 seconds. Uh, Go for it. For, for all those listening, if you are going to leave a track to a waiter, please leave a good tip. That's, that's part of the gospel. That's you, right. you know, leave a good tip. Leave, you know, uh, and Christians are not known for their tipping. So yep. let me just throw that well, out. Well, thank there. you, Elvis, for calling in, and uh, we hope you guys are encouraged. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I'm Rick Skeens filling in for Tom Brown, and today we are talking about sharing the gospel, sometimes with our words, our mouth, sometimes with our lives, but never separate. We always live the gospel and share it. We can't separate the two. We can do random acts of kindness, but without the gospel, we look like Mormons to the world. We look like just good people, and we get the glory. We have people that glorify us because you're so nice, you're so you're so honest. Um, so we, we need to let them know who our Father is so that when they see our good works, as the Bible says, they will glorify our Father in heaven. We just want to make sure we don't steal any of his glory um, when we're living out the gospel, which is, which is part of 
our mission. We live the gospel and we share the gospel. So we want to encourage you guys uh, to be equipped to share the gospel and wanted to share with you guys some more testimonies, some more stories of how God has led uh, some of my friends to share the gospel with those around them and how that has impacted lives. You just heard from Elvis. He just called in about how God saved him from a track that was on the ground in a parking lot. I mean, how many of you out there have ever handed out a track, got nervous, and then it got thrown on the ground and you were just ruined? I've seen it just discourage so many people. But when you hear a story like Elvis, how he's he picked up a track off the ground in a parking lot that had been trampled on and footprints all over it, and God used it to convict him of his sin. It showed him the law and how we could not keep it and that we do not want to be judged by our works. Um, we will all fall short. And he said that the track showed him how God, the, the gospel is good news in the sense that we don't deserve it. It's all grace and that it was all the our righteousness was purchased by Christ on the cross, not earned by us and our works. Um, and then he received another track when he was working at a restaurant and somebody uh, left him a track and he put it in his pocket, went to the back room and literally was in tears on his shift at work because he knew God was trying to get his attention and the, his his sin was brought to his attention and he realized he was in need of a savior and he wasn't sure if he was saved. And, and at the same time, this is so encouraging that, that there were men eating at, at, a, at a restaurant one Friday night and he happened to be there and saw these guys reading and studying their Bibles and he asked them a couple of questions and these guys began to witness them to him in public in a restaurant on a Friday night. And, and that's how it led Elvis to uh, his relationship with Christ and being discipled. Um, so I want to encourage you guys that that, um, that the gospel saves people. And you, um, I've got my friend Don Elwell on the phone, and he's going to also encourage us with how how he God uses him to in his in his work environment. Um, it, sometimes when you don't feel like you have a, a job of a pastor and evangelist, but we're all called to be missionaries everywhere we go, where we work. But uh, I want to introduce you guys to Don Elwell. Thanks for calling in. How are you doing, Don? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, he's in town from Oregon, so we have to be nice to him. He's coming down <laughs> and enjoying our weather. Enjoying the sunshine. Yeah. Well, Don and I go way back. We were in college together just a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I'd say it's been a couple. <laughs> okay. But um, but yeah, I remember um, uh, I met him. He was just as excited about the gospel as I was, and I didn't know too many people in my life at the time. So we became really good friends really quick and having Bible studies in his apartment. And uh, we would reach out to the neighbors and have them over for dinner and not only love on them, but also we, we were faithful to share the gospel with um, yeah. with friends. And, and those are some memories that I'll cherish forever. But um but lately, Don, what's been going on um, in Oregon, and how has God used the gospel? How have you seen the gospel change lives? Uh, well, man, the Lord has been gracious. Um, you know, for 17 years I taught uh, math in a public high school. I've witnessed to several students. I've seen three of them personally get saved as a direct result of that. I've had countless students come back and share with me years later uh, the impact. I remember I had a volleyball player once write me a, a letter uh, two years after she graduated. She played four years for me, and she, in that letter, had written that when I first started playing volleyball for you, um, I was an atheist. And she goes, I'm writing this letter to let you know I'm saved because mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Um, just absolutely amazing stories like that. Um, and here recently, uh, 
have a young man who is, his name is uh, David. Uh, he's a Russian young man, and our paths crossed. I didn't have him in my class, but uh, we met in the hall because I'd stand out at the door and greet all the students that are going by, saying hi, talking to them. And the conversation started with him asking me if I believed in evolution. Uh, and when I was direct in my answering to him that God created this world, and he was blown away and said, I've been at this high school, this is now my fourth year, and I've never met a teacher like you. Uh, so that precipitated a, a long, drawn-out Bible study process. Um, he had the goal and intention. He had some false ideas and false doctrine that he'd grown, grown up with. Uh, it was a part of his culture. It was a part of his upbringing. And in that, it was that they were to keep a literal Sabbath and abstain from certain foods, according to the Old Testament. And there was very strong, strong uh, teaching along that line. And so we began to look into Scripture and share with him what the, what God's Word said. In fact, I had made the comment to him, I'm not interested in what your pastor says. I'm not interested in what your mom, your dad, or anybody else. Let's look into the Word of God. As the Word says, let God be true and every man a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, so was he so trying to convert he, you? Is that one of his intentions? I'm sorry? Would you say he was trying to convert you? He had an yeah, he thought I was just, uh, you know, ignorant of the law of God and the fact that I was supposed to, you know, stop doing everything at sundown on Friday night until sundown on Saturday night. Of course, I had to ask him questions like, what do they do in Alaska in the summer? Uh, you know, things like that where the sun's always up. But I would do that uh, playfully, but then we would get into the meat of the Word and, and start to look. And I began to challenge him uh, to examine God's Word. And so what happened, uh, to paraphrase this, that we had multiple Bible studies during lunch at school in my classroom. And so he went on his own personal journey and spent a six, almost eight months uh, journey studying God's Word, praying, because that was my encouragement, to look to the Lord and see. And just uh, last week, uh, we got a text from him. He has unequivocally come to the realization that his salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. He understands that we are saved by grace, not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. He often quotes that scripture. Uh, And it's brought him uh, much, uh, much difficulty in his church and in uh, his own personal family. His mother and father are threatening to kick him out of the house. Uh, His father's even punched him in the face. Mm-hmm. over this and his willingness to stand for the truth. That's a powerful message because it, it do we really believe, how do we know we really believe what we believe? Are we willing to be persecuted? Are we willing to go through that kind of life change for the sake of the gospel? And that's that, that's, that was from God's word. I mean, that's powerful. And It is. And I will say this, even in the midst of all of that, um, it's sometimes hard to realize. I'm sure there's some listeners that understand to have a strained relationship with your parent and to have that longing and that desire to have that relationship and to have it strained or not exist at all. Uh, you can imagine how crushed this, crushed this young man was. But he said the Lord in the middle of all this gave him the scripture in Psalm 27 and 10. Uh, and though my father forsake me and my mother forsake me, yet the Lord will pick me up. Mm. Uh, and the Lord has done just that. Amen. Well, I'm I'm encouraged by that. I thank you that you're bold enough to even in, in an environment like a school, public school, 
um, in a very liberal part of the country. I mean, you you know that there's dangers and there's there's consequences potentially. But um, I just it's a it's a testimony of how you're just sensitive to the spirit, and when God opens a door and and the spirit's leading you, just step out in faith, be bold, and you, there are yeah. people out there that want to hear the gospel. There are people yes, that there are. They, they don't know what they believe. They they believe lies, and and it's okay to use scripture. You don't have to give them the the address of it every time, but but explain scripture to them because that's the truth, and we know the truth is what set us free. So, well, yeah, and and the enemy knows that there's power in the scripture, right? Mm-hmm. That's why he's fought so hard to to get it removed from so many different places. Mm-hmm. Amen. So what well, motive? So what motivates you to just continue to be so bold? What motivates you? What kind of what, what's 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 your mindset around that? Like, does that ever get tiring, or do you ever get nervous? Uh, no, uh, I tell people all the time it's addicting. When you stand on the truth, and the Spirit is there, and the Lord is blessing, and you see uh, that the Lord is beside you, and you see the effects of sowing the seed, and sometimes the Lord blesses you to be the distributor of water. Sometimes the Lord allows you to see the fruit of it, even. Uh, it's very addicting, you know, to be able to know that you're doing God's will, that you are you believe enough in what you read and what you've been taught and what you've seen fulfilled in your life, that you're willing to give your life for it. Mm-hmm. And I think something that is stuck in my mind since when I first got saved um, you know, I grew up in a very ungodly home. I grew up in bars, uh, not like prison bars, but like adult drinking establishments. Uh, and I saw a lot of things. And it wasn't until I got older that I came to the Lord that I was just sick of all that stuff. And when I when I'd gotten saved, uh, I did it by myself, October 6, 1994, at 11:45 at night, at the foot of my bed. Um, there was a song, an old gospel hymn. And I mean, even the fact that I heard the way I was hearing the gospel at the time was someone was faithful to send me cassette tapes of sermons. Wow. And that kind of reveals how old I am, <laughs> cassette tapes. Um, but I would drive around listening to those, even though I wasn't saved. And the power of those words drew me in, the power of the Word of God, and, and, and sometimes even in a song. And I remember the song is an old hymn. It says, Lord, I'm coming home. I've tried the road of sin, and it's disappointed, and I'm sick of it, and I'm just coming home. And um, that song started playing, and the Spirit called out my heart, and I just went in the house and committed my life to the Lord, and I've not turned back since. I mean, that's the power uh, of the good news. I mean, when the Spirit wants somebody, He will draw them. And so our 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 job is to go out and, and to spread this good news like seed. We, we cast it out. And then God produces the increase. We cast the seed. We plant the seeds, yeah. like you said, and we water the seeds. And um, and God, and you're a perfect example of how the seed grew. We, so we've got, yeah. we've got... And you don't worry about the result. I think, you know, you'd ask the question, what motivates me? And I'd have to say my uncle, uh, shortly after I got saved, and I was on that spiritual high and, and honeymoon early. And, you know, the Lord protected me from the enemy for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was during that time that my uncle had made a comment during breakfast that I've never forgotten. And he said, if people really believe heaven is as good as the Bible says it is, and they really believe that hell is as bad as the Bible says it is, they would do everything within their power to make people not go. Thank you so much for sharing that. So if we really believe heaven is real, really believe hell is real, we will share it. 
we have to because we love God and we love people. So thanks for tuning in to 1360 KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I'm Rick Skeens. I've been filling in for Tom Brown this last hour, and it's been a privilege to introduce you to some of my friends and share some of their stories of how God used the gospel, God used gospel tracts, um, people that are bold and, and outspoken of their faith who really love the Lord and they love people. And we, we have to believe that if we really love people, the most loving thing we can do is share the gospel with them because if, if they die without Christ, um, it's, it's very sad. And so that should break our hearts so much that we're compelled to share with them. And, and, and John Piper says it best that we can build relationships with people, but relationships don't save people. And we never know when it's time, when, we, when we'll stand in front of the Lord. So um, we need to make the most of every opportunity, as, as Colossians says, that we uh, uh, speak as we ought to speak boldly, that we pray that the Lord opens a door and that we're seasoned with salt and that we make the most of every opportunity we have with unbelievers. And I want to just share you with one, one story of uh, in John chapter 7 when Jesus was in Galilee. Um, it says that he went around in public. He was testifying to the world. And I looked up the word testify, and it means to witness. And, and we use that word often, but you know, it's just encouraging to say, to see that uh, Jesus was doing the same thing. He was going around to, uh, to all, the pub, all the people in Galilee, and he was testifying to them. And then after that, he, he, he has to go down um, to, to the Feast of Booths. And it says that Jesus was in the midst of crowds, and he started proclaiming. And, and that's really encouraging, because that means he was open-air preaching. He was, and then the word was also used that he was boldly proclaiming crying out loudly. So uh, I just, I pray that the scriptures encourage you guys, these stories encourage you, that that if we really believe that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation, then, then we need to be praying that the Lord would give us that spirit-filled boldness, that we, that, that that's what they saw in the apostles, Peter, John, they saw their boldness, they saw their confidence and realized they'd been with Jesus. So let's spend time with the Lord in the word this week. And let's pray that we practice it, we be doers of the word, and that we look for opportunities to share the gospel. Because there are people out there, I promise you, that God's word declares it, that they're his sheep, and they're waiting to hear the gospel. So let's proclaim it. Look for those lost sheep. And join us back here at Koinonia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ.